The Athletic. Hello, I'm Danny Kelly and this is The View from the Lane, the Athletics Tottenham Hotspur podcast. Welcome one, welcome all. I'm joined today by The Athletics' Charlie Eccleshare and James Moore. We've got uh, no game to look back on, for obvious reasons, but still plenty to discuss. I'm going to start with Charlie, who of course made the dreary journey up to the lovely uh, town of Burnley on Sunday, but didn't see a football match. Um, how bad was it? I mean, I- I'm amazed. Because I'm a fan of the NFL, they wouldn't. They literally, they won't cancel a game unless you get a, a, a hurricane. I was amazed the Premier League game got called. Was that was it that bad, Charlie? It was pretty bad. I mean, I never for a moment thought. Even so, I, fir- I first got to Preston, and then from there to Burnley, it, it was it was snowing pretty badly. But you know, you just think, well, it's a Premier League game. Premier League games don't get called off for this sort of thing, or at least. It happens very, very rarely, and normally when it has happened, kind of ahead of time. But then I was just getting messages being like, "This could actually get called off," and I was like, "I couldn't believe it," especially as it had taken so long to get there. And then getting to the stadium, it was like pretty icy and treacherous on foot, and it the snow was pretty heavy. And then I got into the press seats probably a few minutes before one, which was when the teams were going to drop. And you could see there are all these guys out there trying to, you know, clear away the snow, but it was just coming down like quicker than like they'd get rid of it and then it would just come up and fill the space where they'd been, basically. But teams came out and then about ten past one got the news and yeah, it was just the kind of situation where you're obviously frustrated, everyone's frustrated, but you know, the the managers were consulted, they were in agreement, the referee clearly thought it couldn't go ahead and it it, it was a bit of a joke outside. I mean, it was just, you couldn't see a thing. People were slipping and sliding. So I think, you know, it's always for the safety of the fans more than the pitch. And I think that was the case in this game. Bollocks. Yeah. Utter bollocks. Yeah. Utter Get some bollocks. salt. Get some salt. Can I just say, you say you say everyone was disappointed, Charlie. Hello, everybody, by the way. You say everybody disappointed, Charlie, but I think one team and one manager was more disappointed than the other. What do you, what, and I bet Danny agrees with me as well. When I mentioned this to our producer, who is, of course, a little bit thick in the skull, <laughs> he said I was paranoid and had I gone completely mad. Well, let's have it out there now. And Charlie, we'll come back to your experiences. You'll come back to the board, James. In a minute. Welcome back, James. Uh, sorry, I forgot, I forgot to introduce you, which is just cruel. I beg your pardon. The centre of their team, Tarkovsky, Westwood and Barnes, were all out either injured or suspended. They didn't want to play that game. They could get away with it. Is that what you're thinking, James? I mean, look, I'm not. I'm not suggesting they've actively, uh, uh, like, you know, done some kind of witchcraft that is encouraged snow in in the northwest no. region. I just think they're, they're, they're less disappointed than they let on that that game is off. I bet they're absolutely delighted that game was off. Absolutely, and I'm not suggesting for one minute either that they didn't turn on um, the, you know, didn't put a shilling as it used to be in the meter to get the under soil heating on whatever it was. But I'm also old enough and been around the game long enough, a bit like Sean Dyche, surreal. when he goes out there. In a blizzard, in a sh- in, in just his shirt sleeves, yeah. I knew I knew what that was for. That meant that come the press conference, it was all about Sean's shirt, and you saw his reaction on television. Nothing to do with aren't you delighted that this game yeah. was called off? And by the way, absolutely mates with Alistair Campbell. Yeah, 
Yeah, spin I mean, king look, number one. Exactly. Yeah, you, you too. This is absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. So, so, like the Burnley uh, reporters <laughs> I were there talking to, they were saying how annoying it was because it meant that their suspended players were going to miss Wolves, which was a far more winnable game. They were saying as well that oh, this would have you know who would have rather play in those conditions, Burnley or Spurs. And it's irrelevant anyway. There was no like stitch up to get the game cooled off. As if, as if Burnley, this kind of all powerful Premier League club, yeah, they, they have that sway. Naive. They, they uh, yeah, they they put in some calls, pulled some strings. So naive. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But it's, it's, Really, I mean, your your job is hanging by a thread here, Charlie. Yeah, I've got to be honest. <laughs> I've got to really. I'm disappointed. Yeah, the lack of scrutiny. Uh, James, you're sending ch- children out into the field. That can't be right. I, I was trying to work out the last time a Spurs game got called off for weather, weather reasons, yeah. And I believe it was Liverpool away in January 2010. I think there was an FA Cup tie at home to Bolton in 2001, which is called for a waterlogged pitch. Yeah. An FA Cup tie, but two Premier League teams. A waterlogged pitch. That's, that's mad. It must be sooner than that. In December 2010, there was a weekend where the whole weekend uh, was called off for bad weather. It was like the it was the weekend of like December eighteenth, twenty ten. City. So that's uh, Chelsea twice. were playing United. Yeah, it happened twice in twenty ten. Even allowing that, that's twice in twenty years. It really is a very unusual occurrence. And I, I love as well that it would have been worth Burnley's like as if the margins are that they care so much about this Spurs game that this Spurs game was all important that they would have fiddled with the weather, fiddled with their undersaw heating. No, hang on. No one said they fiddled. No with the one's weather. used the word Come fiddle. On. We have not used the word fiddle. Yeah. yeah, it's a very grey area when you use that word. Absolutely ludicrous. In order to appear appear even-handed, though I'm not, Charlie Taylor was interviewed after the game was called off, um, and he said that he thought that, it, that their Spurs would handle those conditions a lot less well than Burnley, yeah. so he was kind of disappointed. That is obviously true, and if we had played <laughs> the game, obviously we would have lost. Yeah. So the other thing uh, was that, it, of course, it was a beautiful story that became painful then got better again. Harry Kane has now invited that couple whose names, um, I think he's Ken and he never used his partner's name. You probably know it. But unbelievably, intrepid Eccleshare did manage through the back door. You've actually met the people who came from Dallas, was it? Yeah, that was really fun, actually. And that did salvage what otherwise would have been an extremely depressing day. Um, yeah, quite. You know, witnessing that sort of skullduggery firsthand. No, yeah. no one wants to Close see up. that. Yeah, this this restored my faith in humanity after the Sean Dyche stitch up. Um, but yeah, made the sort of got wind that they were in one of the local pubs close to the ground, and so made the what felt quite a treacherous fifteen or twenty minute walk. Yeah, blizzard, blizzard basically, and trying to cross a kind of roundabout. With cars Excellent devotion around. to duty, Sir Ranulph Fines. Well exactly. done. <laughs> nothing, nothing was going to stand in my way, um, and then made it to the pub where I thought they'd be, but I didn't know for definite. Anyway, found them and had a very nice chat, and they slightly restored my faith in humanity with their good cheer and phlegmatism about a, a pretty epic wasted journey to Burnley, all the way from Texas that had started at 7am their time on the Friday morning ahead of um, ahead of this game on the Sunday. But they, they had come for three games, so they will get Brentford and Norwich this week. Oh, so they're going to be they're going to be on the pitch on Thursday night, Yes, right? they are, yeah. yeah. Provided the pitch now. is not snowbound, well, of true. course. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I know. We'll see if Brentford get that game called off as well. It could happen. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So when are we going to see this game rearranged? Because if if Spurs beat Wren, as I understand it, they would then have a two-legged qualifier for to get back into the conference. And I don't think they've got a midweek spare between now and March kind of thing. Well, they do if they go out of the League Cup. And then I think there might be one that's set aside for FA Cup replays and if they don't have to play one of them. So it's possible they could they could get yeah. to play in January. Well, just ask Sean when he wants to play it. Don't well, yeah, exactly. That. I mean, by yeah, then, yeah. though, you know, Romero will be back. Spurs would have signed five star players in the January transfer yep. window and suddenly that whole conspiracy might look a bit misguided from Dice. Yeah, but, you, but you're, you're, you're not allowing for who Burnley might sign in the meanwhile. True, yeah, those known big spenders. I mean, they, they might actually just lose Tarkovsky, right, in January given he's got six months on his contract so they might actually because just shift Newcastle, him anyway. won't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. At least one very famous um, Spurs fan, Richard Cracknell, was saying that, the, in his opinion, the managers should be forced to pick, to play the teams that were picked on the mm. day. Uh, should they recreate the exact conditions as well? I mean, the thing with, the thing with this one as well... <laughs> Who is, knew this would have, so, this have such legs, this discussion? I is knew that, it would. Well, when Spurs and Burnley play, presumably they'll both come off the same amount of rest, whereas this would have been Spurs coming off a trip to Slovenia, which presumably would have helped Burnley. Oh, they have tremendous rest in Slovenia, though. Don't, don't make any mistake <laughs> about that. And Spurs, They're well rested. They had a fairly gruelling journey. They had to drive two hours to get to the airport, so straight after the game. So... I mean, Dice may have shot himself in the foot with, with what he managed to pull off. Which you the now accept is, which is now established fact. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And yeah. legally think, binding, I think yes. it's an incredible heist he's pulled off. But yeah, fair play yeah. to He's a genius. Maniacal genius. Make the point at this stage that the views expressed here by the people on the View from the Lane podcast do not represent those of The Athletic or its parent company in the United States of America. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, all right, let's, um, let's move on then because one of the things... Uh, that's happened since we last spoke. And I'm determined not to go too deeply into it because I will literally have, a, not a coronary, but my head will explode <laughs> like, in, like in scanners. It's the game in Mura. It doesn't need much discussing. They were disgusting. I don't think I've ever been more angry with a Spurs team. And I, by God, I've been angry with some of them. But it was the reaction to, to it of Antonio Conti, James. First of all, reflected, I think, in the team selection. I mean, it was interesting that Sanchez, who'd been at fault for both goals, was in the starting eleven, which tells you what he thinks about Rodon, I suspect. Yeah, that is an interesting one, isn't it? The fact that uh, <laughs> that Sanchez kept his, his place despite that. Yeah, it is, it is an odd one with Rodon, who, you know, we've mainly seen play for Wales in the last sort of 15 months mm-hmm. since he joined Spurs and has generally played quite well in a back three as well. Yeah. But for whatever reason, not just Conte, but also Nuno and Mourinho have all kind of tended to go with any, literally any other option over him. That is, that is quite damning, really, isn't it? 
I mean, it is. I've not seen anything in the lad to suggest that he's a Premier League centre-half, but I've not seen anything really to suggest that he isn't either because he hasn't yeah. got that kind of chance. But he plays for Wales. I think you could say he's, he's virtually every time seven out of ten. And, you know, they're two games now away from qualifying for the World Cup. They've played some pretty decent teams. It's a mystery. It's one of those... I think, Charlie, where they go, where you have to say, well, we don't see him in training, do we? But there's nothing to suggest that he's not a good trainer or anything, is there? No, I mean, he's uh, whenever he has played, I've been pretty impressed with him. He he um, he looks the part. And for those that care about such things, he is very vocal. He's quite commanding. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, he's been told he'll, he's seen more as the middle centre-back, so he's more competing with Eric Dyer for that position. So I think it's actually more Tanganga who who um, lost out, which again was slightly surprising because he played that right-sided centre-back in both games. Sanchez hadn't played there. He was on the left against Murray. So I was I was surprised that Tanganga didn't keep his place. And as James said, it wasn't as if Sanchez covered himself in glory uh, in Slovenia. The knee-jerk reaction to the result is that Conte will have now made his mind up about a whole raft of players and they will, in the vernacular, never pull on that shirt again. Do we believe that? Do we buy that? Are there any of the players he will already have written off completely, James? Firstly, I think it's still a bit early to make that kind of call, given, you know, he would have only had probably, what, like, probably not even a dozen training sessions yet, and also, you know, like four matches, three matches. But also, you know, there are so many games between now and the opening of the transfer window that I don't think you can really definitively say player X isn't going to get a look in, because if they're playing twice a week for the next four or five weeks... He's going to need a lot of those fringe players still, even in the Premier League. So I don't think you can afford to say Dali Ali or whoever is going to be cast aside. I'm not interested in you now because three days later you're in another match and you might need him in the starting eleven. I mean, it isn't a football simulation game. It's not football manager, uh, Charlie, where you can just say, right, I'm never picking that player again because they're on huge money. You can't. The idea that he can have a clear out in January. And, you know, and people have been doing lists. The following eight will go, <laughs> following five will probably go. I mean, it's nonsense, isn't it? It's, it's, well, it's, pe- people have to want to sign those players. And people seem to, you know... On that money. Newcastle are going to come in with £50 million for Delhi Alley. It's just not going to happen. Why would they? No, quite. I mean, you know, Ajax, who have got their eye on Steven Bergvine, um, but they're not going to buy him. They're talking about getting him on a loan, you know. Yeah, I think with all of these players, the sense from people close to the situation think it's you know nothing's been decided yet it is far too early I mean as James says there are so many games still to play but also for Spurs there's so much uncertainty they don't even know if in January and in the new year they're going to still be in Europe you know so they can't they can't be planning for definite and that and that same that's true of lots of clubs who don't really know what situation they're going to be in don't know what their outgoings will be don't know what they're going to need necessarily at that point so he's not going to have and he said himself, it's about evaluating over the next few weeks. And that, and that was always the plan. You know, he, he has only been in there for a few weeks, but it was striking. And we were lucky that now press conferences are done in person. We could sort of see him up close after the game. Yes, he, yes. He honestly looked shell-shocked. I, mean, I agree. That's what, <laughs> that's what made me ask these questions because, you know, he's, he's an experienced manager. He's had bad performances in the past. He looked genuinely bewildered by what he'd seen. I know I was too. Your, your phrase is better. He was shell-shocked, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, and the way he spoke, the implication seemed to really be that he he was surprised at at the level, and I and so I asked him that because it seemed that that was very much the case, you know, because <laughs> he talked about how far off Spurs were from where they wanted to be. I don't, I can't remember if he specifically said it, but the inference was you know top four. I say you know it, has, did it surprise you because that was definitely my impression, and he he left a very long pause. 
and didn't re- you know didn't want to say that so many words because you know why would he that's not really uh he, you know he might think that's a bit harsh on some of the players or you know whatever but that definitely seemed to be the sense that this was a a reminder or you know a revelation to him that okay there really is a lot of work to do i mean he said it himself that it's one thing seeing games on tv and obviously he was as impeccably well prepared as you could be for a job like this but it's yes. not the same as seeing the players up close and uh, in both in training but also in games like this and this was this was staggeringly bad against the, the caliber of opposition the worst ranked team in uefa competition this season there's just clearly just a, a huge lack of confidence among quite a big number of those players. And I don't think Nuno had the personality to get them back on an even kill. And we kind of have to hope that Antonio Conte does. I suspect that's more likely. But if you're like Deli Ali and you've been playing way below the standard, you'd previously set yourself, what, two and a half years probably? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'll go back to European Cup final. I know we talk about that game more or less every week. Yes. Victor Moses, by the way. But you know, Deli Ali had a t- was terrible in that game, really bad, and that that really that really stood out at that point. But I bet if you compared that to how he played now, he probably actually played quite well. I mean, all right, well, I'll allow the C word insofar as I can see how you might take up a position occasionally that would be described by a fellow professional as hiding because you don't want the ball to come to you and all that. But nothing, no amount of lack of confidence can stop you trying harder, run faster, run further. I don't know. I think different I, I, Different people react to a lack of confidence and a lack of belief in different ways, don't they? And I think with some players, they would kind of double down on the aggressive physical side of the game. But with others, I think they kind of hide, don't they? They don't want to show themselves. They don't want to put themselves out there to be embarrassed and to make mistakes. And may, maybe, you know, Deli Ali and Doherty and a couple of the others are the same. They don't. You know, well, you you said yourself, it looks like they don't want the ball, and I think I, you can kind of see that, that might tally. You know, there's, there's, there's a lack of belief there. There's a sense that the more you have the ball, the more likely you are to make a mistake, the more likely you are to look stupid, the more likely you are, you are to have fans on your case and people on social media on your case. And suddenly, while you were while you were doing the roster of the, of the hopeless there, Tanky and Dombley drifted through my mind as well. Yet another game drifts happily by for Tanky, where you know, hello trees, hello sky. Um, hello, 200 grand a week. Um, and I'm not saying he's not trying. I'm not saying it's no good. I'm saying he didn't have any influence on the game again. All right, let's 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 leave more behind. And Charlie, you and I have been doing this podcast for some months now, and I hoped that we'd become at least electronic friends. But of course, there was a very pointed attack on me in your <laughs> uh, your in your match report when you said I, I don't laugh because you, you know it's true when you said and to think there are still some people who are convinced that Spurs should <laughs> keep trying um in this tournament I take it James that you're all for us bailing now are you yeah been it off I was actually yeah. quite annoyed so I I, I <laughs> for, for the third time in Conte's reign uh, so three or four games I, I missed the game didn't actually see it uh, so I was following it via first at work and then kind of via various uh, apps on the way home. Right. And there was a stage where Vitesse had just equalised in their game towards the end against Wren. Yeah. And so suddenly Spurs were in this position where if they beat Wren, they'd win the group. And it kind of felt like, OK, they're going to avoid this playoff round. They can win the group in the last game at home. But? Um, all all <laughs> is fine. Then obviously get the phone again and then uh, Mora have scored in the last minute and suddenly the whole dynamic Not Lucas Mora, the, the actual Mora. Exactly, yeah. yeah not, not, this, is, this isn't the right kind of European night, clearly. 
And then, then I spent the whole evening thinking Spurs were third in the group, uh, and that they were they were more or less out because of a test we're going to play more in the last game and would would probably win because they're not you know incompetent clowns. Like sure. Spurs. Uh, and then sure enough, the next morning Charlie informs me Spurs are actually second in the group, but could still go out if they win, which I didn't. We didn't realise for another two days either. Oh, hang on, so that 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 uh, salient factors escaped my peanut-sized brain as well. If, what? If, if a test win five 0 against Mora in the last game, which is possible, we yeah. saw how bad they were yeah. in the first game. Spurs played against them, and Spurs win two 0 against Ren or whatever by a narrow margin, which again is, is you know very possible. Then Vitesse would finish second on goal difference. This would almost suit things perfectly because if Spurs win and go out, then Conte could be like, well, look, I tried, did everything I could, but ultimately the Europa Conference League was just too strong for us. And woe is us, we have extra weeks on the training ground. What a disaster. It would look as if they've given everything to stay in this noble and wonderful competition, which I know, Danny, if, if they were to win, the scenes in Tirana would... Uh, would would make all of it worthwhile. So do you still want to, even with that playoff in February, you're still all in on the uh, Conference League? It really is one of the, I, I think one of the true marks of a human being in the modern world, <laughs> if you can admit you were wrong and back down gently from a position you previously occupied, particularly in public. Uh, but no, yeah, I, want, I still want to win it. <laughs> I still want them to win it, yeah. Um, and and yes, I would buy, if, if things, such things still existed, Arsenal fans seem to think they do still, um, I would buy a DVD. I would really like that a lot. <laughs> this is all a kind of um, fantasy land about, you know, the, the game between uh, next Thursday. But in between now and then, indeed, this week, we have to play two league games. And, and Brentford are up next, a club that I've really got a lot of time for. I used to love their old wooden ground in Griffin Park. I worked there many, very many happy Sundays when I was working for the BBC. And I like what they've been doing without going to, you know, using the money ball word, but using data to find players who are as good as players they're being asked £10 million for in England and getting them for 600000 in Denmark and beyond. I also think it's obvious that it's worked that when they lose Watkins and get Ivan Tony, um, there are many Premier League clubs in the championship at the time who would have been bewildered with that swap, but it, it, it has worked out. I also like the fact that Frank is clever enough, the manager, to... Uh, the stats last year showed that they passed their way out of the championship. They, some of their passing performances in the last third of the season, they're running up Manchester City-style numbers for passing. They're not doing that in the Premier League. They're mixing it up because he realises... You can pass yourself to death in the Premier League against some of these extraordinary athletes trying to, who will be pressing you. And so they built it long occasionally to, to Ivan Tony. I think they're a good club. And I don't think any Spurs fans, James, should, should be going to the lane on uh, for this game in any illusion that Spurs won't get a good game because they will. No. And I mean, obviously, off the back of quite a bad run of form, I think they lost four in a row in the Premier League, then drew at Newcastle, then beat Everton at the weekend. Although it sounds like Everton were particularly poor in that game. So, yeah, tails may be up again a little bit. It's certainly not going to be an easy game, but I don't think actually in the Premier League, this is, sorry, I know this is kind of erring towards a cliche, but I don't think there are many bad teams in the Premier League this season. I don't mean there are too many easy games. Don't be ashamed of that view. That is, that is an actual reflection of reality. Unless you catch Norwich in one of their more sort of um, well, lackadaisical yeah, days, or Newcastle United when their uh, confidence is low. The Premier League, the standard this year is extraordinary. The top three are as good as any top three, any three teams have ever been in the same league. Maybe Spain 2014 when Atletico, Barca and Real ran up uh, nearly 100 points each, an average of 100 points between them. It's it's a brutal league. And this is just 
This is just the reality of the financial power of the Premier League now made flesh and blood on pitches and exaggerated and exacerbated by almost two years of pandemic when no one else can afford to buy football as the Premier League teams still have the pots of money with which to do it. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, for three or four years ago, this was Spurs playing against a newly promoted team in the team second bottom in the league. You'd be saying, all right, you want to kind of rack up, you know, over the two games, five, six goals, goal difference, you know, yeah. uh, uh, get a couple of good performances, a bit of swagger, score, you know, score some goals, get the fans off the seats. This this time around, I kind of think, and this obviously is a reflection of Spurs standing as well, by the way. Yeah. You know, I think you'd be quite happy with one nil against Brentford and two one against Norwich. I think you'd you'd have to be happy with that. I mean, Brentford go above Spurs if they win, which is kind of you know sort of gives a sense of uh, <laughs> turn the unsold hitting off, turn the unsold hitting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's yeah, it's not going to be easy. I mean, it'll be interesting as well because I think after the Leeds game, we all or well, the general sense was okay, they've they've played really badly, but. And there are probably going to be more performances like this between now and January and probably between now and the end of the season. But with Conte there, they will kind of win games like this by force of will, even when the performances aren't so great. Obviously, Mura was then a bit of a reality check because they were really bad again and lost. And I think there was also a hope that, okay, they were really bad against Leeds, certainly for the first half, but soon it will click. And maybe it will, but... I guess, you know, the, the Brentford and Norwich games would be quite revealing because either, well, I guess, you know, either they will click and they'll win convincingly or they'll continue to win through that kind of force of personality or, you know, they might get caught out because as we're saying, these teams know what they're doing. And, you know, even a couple of years ago, I remember Norwich uh, in the league game soon after Mourinho took over, which Spurs won 2-1 at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Norwich played really well, but they just really looked like they lacked conviction or belief. And, and that actually earned Spurs and teams like Spurs a lot of wins over the years against that kind of opposition. And maybe that will still happen, but it'll be interesting. It feels like a lot of these teams have been emboldened to go and get shock results. And obviously Brentford already have ruffled a lot of feathers. Drew with Liverpool beat Arsenal should almost certainly have got something against Chelsea. And it'll be interesting to see how Spurs, especially without Romero, stand up to that physical challenge if Brentford do start hurling balls into the box. Um, you know, how willing and able they're Defenders are to attack those. Well, we saw you know, we saw the League Cup game last season, last January, didn't mm. we? That of oh, this January, sorry. That uh, was it. Was it one 0 I can't even remember. Two 0 Two 0 But you know, it was it was a goal that's allowed, a Tony goal that's yeah. allowed in the second half, wasn't it? Yeah, a tight game. And I think it would be naive to expect anything any more comfortable than that, at the very least. And yet, you know, when we headed into this this trio of games against Burnley and Brentford and Norwich, they. Look, Thomas Tuchel had it right, didn't he, when Chelsea dropped two points at the weekend when he said, look, these things happen in football. Where it's a, You have to look at it positively. It's one point towards the pile where we're trying to agglomerate um, to make sure that we're in the race in the last three or four weeks of the season. Um, and I thought that was a pretty phlegmatic and sensible reaction to a draw that they weren't expecting. Although, of course, it's always easy to be that phlegmatic when you're still top of the table. Hmm. Of course it is. But... This does seem to me to be an incredibly important was trio now brace of games for Spurs. If they were to get two wins that are inside their, you know, they're well within their capabilities, uh, notwithstanding the endless toe stubbing they've been doing in the last eighteen months, then you could say they are they will see themselves coming into that critical time in the season when you get into December, the night and it's getting darker, and you're heading towards the, the big fixture pileups. You are in the race for Europe. You don't get the two results against Brentford and Norwich. You can say you are a firmly a well-established mid-table Premier League team. Without putting too much pressure on individual games, these these are very, very important matches. 
They are. I mean, if they win these two, there's a decent chance they could be fourth and have a game in hand because you'd expect Arsenal could well drop four or more points. They've got Everton United away. Wolves are only a point above Spurs and one of their games is Liverpool. West Ham have got, I think it's Brighton and Chelsea. You know, they could well drop a bunch of points there. So, you know, Spurs could be in a really good position by the end of the week. And we're saying top four or close top four with the game in hand and you know it's all it's all on obviously the flip side of that is if they do fail to beat these games then it's we can't even beat Brentford and or Norwich at home then it's us. all then it's all down to Tirana isn't it really but this is what exactly, I mean about scrape, yeah. but this is what I mean about it being fine to scrape those two games because you win those two games by one goal suddenly you're looking back at the last four league games and it's 10 points and four games three wins in a row even if they're only by one goal mm-hmm. suddenly you've got the momentum Suddenly Spurs have a team out of that group below that top three who are in form, mm. broadly speaking. You know, the performances may not be great, but if, you, if you're winning matches, that is, you know, and again, to use the word that Danny doesn't like, that is going to see confidence increase, even if only marginally. Yeah, I don't think it matters at all, really, how they win these games. I mean, obviously, you'd prefer to go and win them really convincingly, but... It would be nice if Harry Kane got a winner as well. Yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah that... I, I, I cannot believe... Uh, and, I, and I think I say it a couple of times on this podcast this season. I was incredibly confident that Kane would get fifteen, twenty league goals. And, are you? Are you? Are you, are you we, suffering a lack of confidence into, now? I am. I've lost. <laughs> I've lost the seaweed. Yeah. Uh, he's now going to go into December with one league goal, which you know, albeit that's the same number as Lionel Messi. I think has got up to this point in the league this season. I just can't believe that. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely, absolutely staggering that like the, the best. The best goal scorer in the Premier League in the last five, six, seven years. He's got one league goal. And it's not like he's missed loads of matches. He's missed like one, one, I think. I think yeah. he only He played, came off the bench against Wolves. Yeah and, yeah, and missed the first one. Yeah, I mean, you do wonder, and again, far be it for me to suggest there are any benefits from Sunday being off, but having that extra training session in a way that Brentford wouldn't have had, you do wonder how well that will set them up for these two games and not coming off the back of Moura, a lot of travel, and then what would have been a bruising game against Burnley. I mean, you know, there'd have been a lot of players carrying bumps and bruises the days after. Monday would have been about recovery. They would have only had a couple of days to prepare as it is. They've got an extra day compared to Brentford. Could make a difference. Well, let's hope so. Do you think you'll pick the same team? I mean, he's, he's shown his hand for the Burnley game. Do you think mm. the same 11 players will start? I imagine so. I don't, I mean... I mean, it's not, le- like he's, in- it's not like he's dying, he's over- overwhelmed with choice, is he, just now? No, I mean, the only area you'd think maybe there could be a change is in those centre-backs, if, say, Tanganga came back in for Sanchez, if, you know, Sanchez was there specifically because they thought the threat of Chris Wood or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the runners off him suited Sanchez better. I think that's the only area I could see, see a change. Otherwise, the team pretty much picks itself at the moment. If you're not already a subscriber, don't forget you can read uh, Charlie's pieces about the mighty Spurs and indeed all the Athletic's articles on Spurs and everything else by going to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. And right now you can get 33% off a full subscription. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. We'll be back on Friday after that game against Brentford. Fingers crossed, of course, for that one. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.